0: Hi guys and welcome to the Alternative Podcast. Today we've got My Mylonis on. Um, she's got a podcast on YouTube, as on Spotify, any other platforms as well?
1: Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It's on YouTube, it's a bit harder to find on YouTube, but if you search Cracked Open with My Mylonis, you'll find it everywhere.
0: Yeah, we will, we'll leave all the details in the description anyway. Um, so just start off, um, something that stood out to me and Cam on your website was you've put that you have a defined feminine priestess lineage, lineage along with ancient, sh- I can't say this word. I was trying to say it before. Shamanic wisdom that you received from a deep connection from um, from a deep connection to ancestors from Earth and star races that seeded us, and me and it kind of stood out to us that statement. So we just wanted you to expand on that a little bit.
1: Awesome. Okay, let's see. Where where do I start this? So to explain this, there kind of comes with the presumption or the assumption that we are multidimensional beings. I am this Beck sitting here, but actually I'm a soul, and my soul extends far beyond my body. It extends far beyond this lifetime into many, many, many configurations of this soul. Um, and so when I say things like I come from an ancient priestess lineage. It means my soul has come here since the dawn of time, reincarnating again and again and again to share knowledge and wisdom around spirituality, mystery school teachings. Um, there is a big lineage of kind of priestesses waking up from the lineage that I, I suppose I, I, wouldn't say I subscribe to or come from, but it's a very distinct lineage of us and we're teaching the same teachings and they're all heart-based Christ consciousness teachings and, um, A lot about alchemy, a lot about feminine masculine dynamics, a lot about uh, our connection to everything, the oneness. So it's just an access point for me with spirituality. And there's a resonance with people who come to work with me. They hear that and they're like, I feel something. And it awakens a mystery within them of this memory of being in Isis's temple, or I don't know, walking beside Mary Magdalene or something like that. So that's what I speak about. The shamanic stuff is I see shamanic as it's more of an ancestral, like indigenous connection to the earth. It's more earth medicine. Shamanic, yes, it's about connecting to spirit, but it's connecting to the spirit in everything. So the trees, the plants, Um, and shamanism is practiced. It comes from a a particular culture and the word shaman comes from, I think it's, I'm not even gonna say the place because my brain is just going, and I don't wanna fuck it up, but there's a place where it comes from. I think it's, oh my God, where is it? Anyway. Is it it Tibet? somewhere around that general mm-hmm. vicinity. This is so like, I know this anyway, it doesn't matter. It comes from one tradition, but there's shamanic practices or um, medicine practices in pretty much any indigenous culture that you'll find across everywhere. Right. Even like going back into Celtic and juridism, and all of that, there's shamanic essence to that. And that's how we relate to the earth. It's how we relate to our ancestors. It's that understanding of the bridge between this realm and the spirit realm. So that's what I see shamanism as. And then the ancestral connection is anywhere that I go, I tune into the spirits of the land. And I do a lot of work with the land to bring the land back into harmony, to clear trauma, to receive messages, to, um, yeah, awaken codes within the earth, all that sort of fun stuff. Does that answer your question?
0: Yeah, that's great. Um, so when did you first find out you had the ability? Yeah, uh, Yep.
1: I've been getting really good at condensing this story down on podcasts. So let's like test today how quick I can get this in. Long long freaking story short, uh I've been searching for my life purpose since I was like 15. So there was this sense in me of like I'm here to do something and it wasn't like I'm going to be a doctor or a lawyer. It was like this burning like I will not stop until I find this thing that I'm here for and you know, I, I knew a lot of people back then at my age who weren't so obsessed with this passion to find what it is. And it was like, not only passion, it was like this urgency of like, if I don't figure this out now, I can't be here. I can't be in this world without this purpose, without this mission. I think it's a, it's a beautiful gift to have that drive. A lot of people don't have that drive. A lot of people spend their whole life trying to find their purpose. And I found mine really young. So throughout my early twenties and into like my sort of spiritual awakening, which began around 2011, 2012, I was really asking the question of like, what am I here for? How am I here to serve? Um, What's the reason I'm here? And having this feeling of like, I'm here for something. I need to remember what that is. I was really depressed. I was really unhealthy, had a lot of mental health stuff, a lot of trauma, um, fighting a lot of fucking battles. And I started on this path through the coaching and fitness kind of industry. That's how I started taking care of my body. Um, I was still going on benders every day trying to find God through drug taking and partying and all that stuff, which a lot of people do, Um, but I was still trying to figure out like why am I this way, why do I feel like this, like is there, I had this knowing that there was more to life than being this meaningless existence where we just checked these boxes and made fucking money and it was depressing and I was like how does no one else understand how depressing this is right. So through falling down the rabbit hole, I was introduced to, to my spiritual awakening, which then took me down the wormhole of all the conspiracy theories and that lower realm stuff of like, oh my God, they're all trying to control us and enslave us. And I went through that and all the um, the anger and the grief. Um, when I was about 25, 24, I started really meditating, connecting to my spirit guides, that sort of thing. Um, I was introduced to the coaching industry and I was like, oh my God, this is it. Like I'm meant to help people in this way. It's a really long story to how I got there, but that came through. I I went back to study psychology for a while and I was like, maybe I'll be a psychologist. And that was like too, it was too much of a long path for me. I was like, I want to help people now. What is it? So I started as a coach. And then around that time, I was also doing a few psychic development classes. Um, I was meditating a lot. I was meditating for like hours a day to begin with doing a lot of Joe Dispenza work meditation work um a lot of that sort of level of like manifesting your reality and like high, your highest self and like tuning into the life that you want right and there was this moment that came and I was on antidepressants at the time and I was living in Melbourne working in the film industry while trying to like start my coaching business and I had been living in the same place for eight years really like I had a boyfriend I had a steady job like I had all the things that were very sturdy and this message came in and it was so clear. And it was like, you need to go to Bali and quit everything. Like, let go of your partner, let go of your job, let go of your apartment, let go of everything that's comfortable and go to Bali to heal and to start this, you know, really focus on this mission, this like purpose, whatever it is, which I thought at the time was to be a coach. And it was the wildest fucking thing that could possibly, I could have possibly done that I was like, this has had had to come from somewhere, right? Like this this is crazy for me to even have this thought. So I went. And it was a year of just real deep, um, my deep healing began. I went off medication. I started having these experiences um, with spirit. I started running into shamans and healers everywhere I went who were telling me, you're this healer, you're this shaman, you've got these gifts. And I kept saying, I don't know what the fuck you guys are talking about. I'm just Beck. I'm just this normal person. I'm not intuitive, like rah, rah, rah. But I was seeing it starting to come through. At the time I was a relationship coach and I was saying with my clients, I wasn't sticking to the protocol that the coaching industry had taught me of. This is how you coach a client. I was getting messages for them. There was one particular incident where my client's partner had passed and his spirit came through me and and into that session. It was so special because it was the first time I really felt like, oh my God, fuck. Like I, I do have these gifts. Anyway, I was still like clinging to wanting to be a coach, wanting to make that work. And the universe was like, no, no, no. It was like failing miserably. And I hit this point of rock bottom where my biggest fear at the time was failing. Right. It was like having to go back to my parents in Sydney where I hadn't lived for 10 years, by the way, who I completely like distanced myself from due to my trauma and admit that I failed. I didn't make it as an entrepreneur. Like I didn't take off, make these 10 K months that everyone in the coaching industry was talking about. So I hit that rock bottom and I was like, fuck it. I have $300 left in my account. If I'm this fucking healer, God, that you keep telling me, you keep bringing these people in to tell me that I'm this healer. And I'm trying to focus on this coaching business. It's not working. I surrender it all. Like show me, show me the path. The next day, I did this ceremony. It was like an online journey with Rewilding for Women, Sabrina Lynn. She's my dear friend now, but she was one of my first mentors. I did this activation, like guided journey with Kali Ma, who is a Hindu goddess. She's a goddess of war. She's terrifying energy to work with. She's very intense. She's the dark goddess. And in that ceremony. I had a spontaneous Kundalini awakening, which I, in hindsight, don't think it was as spontaneous as in that moment. I was like, "What the fuck, because I see that it had started awakening. It was just in subtle ways. But in that moment, I had the full body experience, the speaking in tongues, the remembering past lives, the wailing, the sobbing, the intense spiritual mystical experience. And from that day onwards, it was like four months of reliving and remembering all this past life trauma on the bedroom floor. Of, or it was like the fucking the sewing room floor of my parents' shitty apartment because they just moved out of the house, having these extreme spiritual experiences, um, thinking I was going crazy. That went on for about four months of like, what the fuck is going on until I realized I'm here to help people with these gifts. And then it started unfolding in a more graceful way. I suppose I started serving people with my medicine. The journey kept going and going and going. I was clearing a lot of karma and it's kind of led me here to being a multidimensional trance channel and a grid worker and a priestess and all these wonderful things. So it's just progressed and more things have opened up and the mission has like opened and it's led me on this beautiful quest and here I am.
0: Yeah. So
2: um, a little earlier on, you mentioned that you was on antidepressants and then Mm -hmm. obviously with spiritual um, awakening as well. Did that, was it the spiritual side? Like was, did did you have the ability to get yourself off antidepressants by following the spiritual journey?
1: So this is the thing, and I love talking about this, so I'm glad you hit this home. Um, I think a lot of people that are on antidepressants in our world are trying to numb out their emotions and their trauma instead of just feeling it, right? Because when we feel it, we heal it, we transmute it. When you're on that stuff, it didn't make me not want to kill myself, by the way. Like I wanted to kill myself. I took the meds. They didn't make me not want to kill myself. They just made it numb. Like, so I didn't feel anything, right? If you knew me today, any of my friends, any of my romantic partners, anyone who's around me closely knows that I feel things... So deeply, like so much more deeply than the average person. I'm here to feel everything until there is nothing left to feel, right? Feel into the depth. I'm the feminine. I'm the chaotic feminine. I'm here to feel emotion, right? And this is, I believe, a shaman or a healer or someone who is here to help people move through these tough emotions and heal them. They're here to feel things intensely. And so most people who are depressed or they're labeled schizophrenic, or they're seeing things that aren't there, or they're tuned into, I was labeled bipolar, right? So I have these extreme mood swings, like I'm in bliss, and then I'm in hell. And that's just how I am. And I didn't accept that. And I was like, I need to fix this. This is not normal. Like, it's not normal to have these wild emotional swings and blah, 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 chaos. And and now I'm realizing it's not normal to feel nothing and just cruise through your day being numb to everything, right? So generally, I think a lot of people who present with mental health problem not everyone I want to say not everyone because I think not everyone is there to walk this path but I think we need to realize that a lot of these people who are presenting with extreme cases of mental psychosis or this or that are having a spiritual experience and we just lack the framework in western society and culture to understand that if I was in an indigenous community having these wild fucking experiences they would be like clearly she's the next shaman we're going to take her and teach her right and what happens is in our western culture and what's been happening and i've seen it happening there's been a lot of healers being initiated but they don't have by spirit I, I mean by spirit like they're just waking up they're being initiated by spirit they don't have the framework or understanding and they're in a society which is telling them you're unwell you need to get help um rah, 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 whatever and so they don't have that initiation and they're self-initiated and so it's really difficult the other side of the coin is that there's people who they're not necessarily depressed. They're just carrying a lot of heavy shit that they just need to release, right? So I think it's problematic when we start labeling things as a mental, it's only a mental problem. It's a mental, like they're depressed, they're this or that. It's like, I'm not depressed. I'm just holding grief from not only this lifetime, but all the lifetimes that I came here with memories of that just haven't awoken in me. Does that answer your question? Yeah, so I had to go off them so I could feel basically my connection to spirit. I could feel... All the things that were blocking me from coming into my gifts really because it was trauma it was trauma of being burnt at the stake it was trauma of being hung murdered abused for being a witch like trauma of, from my childhood with my parents um who i love dearly and i i in my you know my older years as i get wiser and i understand mental health more i understand they were just doing the best that they could with what they had and i don't blame them for how they were as a kid but some of those things i experienced as a child were traumatic um, so I just needed to release it all basically to be a vessel for something to work through.
2: Right. That's a really good way that you've gone through all of that, um, because I mentioned it before on the pod, but I wouldn't say I've ever been sort of depressed, but, um, at least not depressed enough to go on to antidepressants, but whenever I am I, I, in the past, whenever I was feeling low energy or sort of certain signs of depression, In my head, I always knew that there was a light at the end of the tunnel and I didn't need all of this stuff. I just needed myself. And I knew at the bottom of my heart, I just need to find that light. So just give me some time. Let me sort myself out and let me get there. And I think that's one of the things that's helped me most on my journey. But then at the same time, and when you talk about Western society and even earlier on, you talked about um, a lot of people are just stuck in a box. It seems like I'm, I was in a position where I could take the time to do this, but a lot of people, definitely in the US, if they struggle with like mental health issues, if we want to go down that route, then they go to the doctor and the doctor says, oh, get on these meds and you need to obviously pay for them. And to pay for them, you need to get back to work. So get on these meds now and go back to work. So a lot of people in the Western, sort of the setup of the West, they don't have, they don't, they're not in a situation where they can sort of bring themselves out of it or they don't have the time because they might have other responsibilities. What um, sort of advice would you give to those people who are just stuck in this cycle and they're on the meds because they can't get out of the cycle that they're trapped in?
1: This is going to be ruthless, right? I'm going to sound like a fucking bitch right now. (laughs) Um, And that's okay. Sometimes people need to hear
2: it like that, right?
1: People will hate me for saying this. It wasn't easy for me to let go of everything. It wasn't easy for me to jump off a cliff and let go of my comfortable job and let go of the support and be like, I'm just going to do this because I need to do this. Right. There needs to be a desire that is bigger than the desire to be stuck where you are, the desire to change, the desire for more, the desire to get better. And it's going to get fucking worse before it gets better. And that is where the resilience comes from. Like if my spiritual journey had been easy, I would not be this strong woman that I am today. Right. So This is not spiritual bypassing and it might sound like it. Sometimes we need to fucking suffer and we need to go through the hard slog of like dealing with our stuff, of being broke, of being on our asses, of being excommunicated from society, whatever it is to have the lessons we require as a soul to be strong and to get out the other side. So I'm saying to anyone out there who's like, it's going to be easy. Like there's an easy route for me to do this. Healing isn't easy. It's not easy right? And I'm saying it's not easy. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that spiritual awakening for me has been this like tra-la-la. It's been great. It's been hell. I have literally been dragged through hell on this journey. Like things that I've had to endure and go through, most people would check out and, and not, you know, and I'm not saying I'm so tough and I'm so, it's like the reason why I could do that was because of what was in me, right? And that's why I chose to go through it in the way that I did. So the message is like anything that you come up against, There is a part of you who, like you said, is capable of dealing with that. And you need to stop taking the easy route out. And I'm not saying that medication is the easy route because I was on the medication at the start to get me started on the small habits. So it's like the first step would be the small habits you can implement while you're in this system and this structure. Don't, you don't have to be dramatic. Like I had to be dramatic because I'm fucking dramatic and that's how I do everything, You don't have to be dramatic and quit everything, go off the meds like cold Turkey and then just go on this spiritual pilgrimage. That's not for everyone. And that's not, you know, that's not realistic. But when you are, you have that support, try to implement things in your life that are moving towards something higher, something better. So a journaling routine, go see a psychologist, go see healers, go read, do things. Like if you're stuck in this rut and you're not doing anything, you're not gonna get handed this miracle cure, which is like, here, here's the fix. Like people need to understand it's not easy. You need to commit to it. And I think that's a problem with our society. We all want instant gratification. We start this healing journey. It's like my mom. She started this healing journey like 30 years ago. And it got hard. She had to deal with some sticky stuff. And she was like, I'd rather just go back on the meds and not fucking deal with it. And then she's still complaining about not, you know, in the victim mentality. So it's like, you need to be able to, and prepared to look at yourself, like really fucking look at yourself and face up to what you're not owning. And I think that requires courage and that requires a support system. So I think the ability to communicate to people around you, hey, I'm not okay, gives people the space to then share, Hey, I'm also not okay. And then you have that connection and that support, but you can't be battling this on your own being like, I'm an Island. I'm going to shut off from everything. I'm going to avoid it because it's just going to get to a point where we can take, there's two routes. We can work with the universe, right? The universe will either make it easy for us um, or gentle or graceful when we work with the universe and we say, okay, give me the support, whatever. I'm listening to the message. I need to change. What can I do? And things will be, solutions will come up. Even though it was fucking difficult for me, solutions were the right person, the right healer, the right circumstances. Even though I was broke as fuck, I was supported somehow to go through what I went through, right? I was always supported, even in those times when I felt like I wasn't. So we can take that route and flow with it and be like, I'm open and please help me and ask for help. Or we can wait until we have to have a tower moment. There's a tower card in tarot, which is basically if you get the tower card, you know shit is about to fucking implode in your life and things will be, it's like the universe will whisper gently into your ear until you don't listen and don't listen and don't listen. Then it'll hit you with a bus. Right. So it's like you can either get to that point where you avoid and void and void and you'll get hit by a bus, which is what's going to happen to a lot of people. And I don't want to doom and gloom, but like we're all those of us who are ready to wake up like they'll get hit with that bus if they're avoiding their stuff. Or you can say, I acknowledge and I'm going to start this journey gracefully and easily in whatever step I can, whatever resource I can in this moment. It doesn't have to be this, like I said, my experience of it, but just committing to yourself, like show up for yourself do what you can like find support, find like-minded people stop engaging in the same patterns and behaviors. Like there's, you know, Joe Dispenza talks about this a lot. And that's part of the reason I went to Bali because I was listening to a lot of Joe Dispenza and he's like, you need to change your environment. So you're not firing the same neural pathways all the time with all the things around you, same people, same job, same circumstances. You're firing the same um, circuits off in your brain, the same neurochemistry. Of course, you're going to stay depressed. So you actually need to sometimes take yourself out of that environment and go do something totally different to give yourself the opportunity to be in a different space, to create space for your healing. I hope that serves. I think something in there will be useful to someone. Um, There's a lot
2: of useful information in that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's like the willingness, like you have to have the willingness because if you don't have the willingness, then you're going to stay stuck. You're going to stay in that situation, that relationship that doesn't fulfill you, that environment that doesn't fulfill you ultimately so this is a spiritual journey right we wake we come into this world as babies we spend all our lives as you know children and teenagers learning who we are who we are who we are creating this identity creating this identity we get to like young adulthood shit is actually really difficult we don't think it is going to be but then it's really difficult and then we're like oh my god this is not what everyone sold me and we start questioning our identity the next step is to decondition everything that we think that we know And unbecome everything that we think that we are to then get to that point of nothingness, because then we can rebuild as connected to the whole. The problem is people are so attached to the identity, to the everything that's around them that they're not willing to unbecome and to look at themselves. Like you need to have a willingness to look at the uncomfortable stuff and ask yourself, why do I believe this? Why am I here in this job? What is it? Why what's my desire for being here? Right. Because if you're in a job just to make money, it's like, why do you want to make money? Because I want to feel good about myself. Why do you want to feel good about yourself? Well, because society tells me I need to make money to feel good about myself. So you need to start questioning things, like asking questions. Why am I here, right? Like that's the first thing, start asking. Why am I so depressed? What is it in my life that's creating my depression? What would I want my life to, what do I want to feel, right? That is not this. Because planning that seed of hope gives you something to move towards. If you don't have a seed of hope, right? The reason for me going on this big adventure that I did was I picked up a law of attraction book. And I was like, so cynical at the time I was really depressed. I was cynical. I was in my bad girl era, like drinking and smoking and partying and whatever it was. And I was like, this is such a crock of new age shit and it can't possibly be real, but I'm going to play devil's advocate. If it was maybe real and I could have what I wanted, what would I want? And then I realized I didn't even know what I wanted. Like what would really make me happy? So then it was this journey of like, well, what do I want? What would make me happy? What do I want to feel? Right? So it's starting to think about, well, if this is not making me happy, what would? And then going on this journey of exploring what would make me happy? What would fulfill me? Right? Because what I'm doing is not working and it's not fulfilling me. Um, And then you obviously go down the path of like, well, why have I chosen this for myself? And what am I getting out of this? Being here, being stuck. Um, what gratification is my ego getting from this, but it having that anchor of like, what do I desire? What do I desire to feel? feel? And I could literally just be like, I want to get out of bed and not want to kill myself. That could be as, as small as it starts for me. That's how small it was. It was that. And it was, I don't want to go to a job every day that sucks my soul. I want to do something that I enjoy right? I had no idea that this world even existed. Like it was so foreign to me when I wrote down my, like what I want to create. I was like, I just want to help people by being myself. I don't want to have a boss. I want to work for myself. I want to be able to travel and live freely and have my own schedule. That was it. And I want to be able to talk. I love talking. I love acting. I love being on stages. That's it. I had no idea how good it could be. I had no idea I'd be having these mystical experiences every day that people have to go take ayahuasca to have these experiences, the connection, the magic, right? But it started with, well, I don't want to go to a job, which I hate and work for the man and be in this society. I just want something different. But it had to start with, okay, well, if not this, then what? So that inquiry piece of like, cool, I can acknowledge I'm unhappy, but what would I prefer? Um, gives you a why, because without your why, you'll give up. And that why needs to be stronger than all the things telling you no, telling you you can't, right? Because sometimes it actually, all the time, it requires us to get uncomfortable and do things that is so fucking out of our comfort zone, because our ego is so afraid of dying, of being proven wrong, of this or that, that it will stop us. Like I've had to do some things that like terrifying at the time. And literally everything in me was creating resistance. So I wouldn't do them. But on the other side of that was growth.
2: Yeah. Well, when you mentioned um, about realising and going into a state of nothingness that nothing actually exists, at least what you put on it, for example, I don't know, you call this a hoodie. We've just made that up. That's completely made up that we've called it that. Um, I've been, since we've been doing a podcast, that's come up quite a few times. And where I've smiled and agreed, um, I only realised the other day that I didn't actually understand what that actually meant. And I suppose it must have taken me a bit of time to have these certain experiences to really figure out and see that when they say nothing exists, it's because everything in life is what you make of it. So, when it, where a lot of people are afraid to break down all of their sort of building blocks and rebuild a foundation, a lot of people are worried about that because they've been telling themselves. A lie without knowing the talent themselves a lie, that money you need to accumulate as much money as you can and stack it up to as high as the ceiling goes. Once you can actually disattach yourself from the fact that money is just something that we fabricated, it's something that we've made up, it's one of the biggest lies in the world. Then you can obviously, I know you need it because of the way the system, the messed up system's set up. But when you disattach yourself from it, you actually lose so much anxiety along the way. And it's actually it's something when people are telling me I did understand it, but I, I didn't feel it until recently. And now I would say I, I feel it a lot more. And I, this is what I can see a lot of people stuck in this box or stuck in this trap, which is a lie that they've been told. And when you say when you're brought up as a teenager and when you're a young adult, you're brought up, but you're manipulated to think, you need to work for the system. You need to get the money. You need to buy nice things. So then when people are doing a law of attraction, they write down Ferrari, they write down Lamborghini because they've been manipulated to think that's what they want. But those things, they don't exist. They're just materials put together.
1: Yeah. yeah. And also often when they get them, they still feel fucking unfulfilled. Right. Like, I exactly. know so many people who got all the riches, got everything, they became successful and they still were like, this is not fulfilling me. Right. Because it's it's a lie. Like you said, we've been programmed, we've been conditioned. So we don't recognize or understand our oneness. We don't understand our power. We don't understand we are truly creators. And what we can create is so much bigger than just having nice shit. The nice shit, I can tell you, doesn't fill a void, <laughs> right? Like because have had the nice shit, didn't fill a void. Um, what does fill a void is touching that part of yourself, which is connected to everything and everyone which is your infinite soul, which is beyond your ego. It's beyond this identity. It's beyond all the stories, the labels, the, all of this stuff. But most people will never touch that place because they're so focused on the money, the money, the money, the material material things will bring me happiness. And people don't realize with manifestation, it's like you only want that stuff to bring you a feeling that you can cultivate from within anyway. And I know that that is so frustrating to hear because I used to hear that early on in my journey. And I was like, well, how the fuck can I feel rich if I'm broke? Like, I don't understand that. Right. Or like, how can I feel like I have a partner and I'm I'm in love if I'm not in love and like no one exists in my reality. And I'm fucking alone with 30 cats. Um, but it really is like that concept of we create everything, every sensation, every experience we create from within. We're literally creating everything all the time, whether we're conscious of it or not. And that's the thing. These people who are freaking miserable in their lives and it's this looping, repeating pattern of shit. They're just playing out unconsciously all of their trauma all their patterning, all their conditioning, all their stories, all the things they picked up as a child, as a sponge from their society, from, you know, everything. When you start to pull that back, you realize how limitless you actually are because you're nothing. Right. And when you become nothing, you can become everything. You can decide I'm that that's what I'm going to be. I'm going to be limitless. I'm going to be orgasmic. I'm going to be fucking happy. I'm going to be blissful. I'm going to be well, whatever it is but you need to let go of your attachment to being not that, (laughs) which that's comfortable for people because in order to let go of that, you need to let go of a part of your identity. And so it's the identity that wants to hold on to that because it's known, because it's safe, because it's familiar. Um, But really on the other side of that is liberation and freedom. And it's actual liberation and freedom because nothing outside of you, like this is just a hologram. People need to understand that. It's not real. We're all tripping balls somewhere off in spirit space, creating this hologram reality that we can literally affect like physical matter and space. We are alchemists. Like that's how powerful we are, but we're only ever seeing what is, you know, so if you want to know what's going on in your inner world, what actually your conditioning is, just look at what you've created. It's a fucking great way to do it. Reverse engineer. Oh, I've created, this is me at the start. My whole relate, like my whole journey started because I kept attracting un- emotionally unavailable men. And it got to like twenty of them in a row, right? These men who couldn't meet me, just wanted to use me, all this stuff, heartbreak, and I was like, hey. At this point, after twenty of these fuckers coming in, I've got to admit that there's got to be a common denominator here, and the common denominator to every man that's disappointed me is me. So there's got to be something within me creating that, right? I've got to take personal responsibility. I can't just blame every man ever for just being shit. It's like, no, it's it's me. And that was like, whoa, that's a smack in the face. I'm creating this. Why am I creating this? And then I had to look at, okay, what did I grow up with? What do I believe about love? What do I feel about love? What do I desire? You know, all those things. But I had to first be like, this shitty situation that I've created, I created it. I'm not a victim. I created it. And from that acknowledgement of I created this and releasing that victim, then we take our power back because we're like, okay. I can create something else. Then if I don't like this, I don't prefer this. I don't have to create this. Right. And I was honestly so in victim until like a year ago, I broke a lot of victim templates and I was still operating in victim, even in my spiritual journey, the way that it was unfolding was so painful and like hard and difficult. And you know, my money situation was shit. And I kept calling in karmic fucking relationships, which sucked. And I didn't realize I was creating it all. And I just wanted to blame. Oh, God's doing this to me because there's this initiation and it, I have to go through it being hard. It has to stop like for me to learn my lessons. And then I realize I'm choosing for it to be that way because some part of me is getting off on that. Some part of me enjoys being a victim. Some part of me enjoys the suffering or I wouldn't be creating it. Like I'd have no need for it. If I didn't want to fulfill that fantasy, like people don't realize our souls are multidimensional, right? We are beyond good and bad. We create some things in our lives that are really shitty because we want to have that experience because we don't see it as good and bad. We see it as like, I need to have that experience to evolve. Right. So I'm going to choose to enter into this lifetime where I'm burnt at the stake. I don't know why on a human level, I would choose that, but my soul chose that because it was the exact experience it wanted to have, or I'm going to call in this partner that broke my heart and whatever it is, because on some level I desire to experience that. And that might be on an ego level of believing that's all I'm worthy of, or it might be on a soul level of this person has given me some lessons that I You know, there were tough pills to swallow, but it was the medicine I needed to choose myself or it was the medicine I needed to develop boundaries or whatever. So we can just constantly blame everything outside of ourselves, or we can see every single thing that happens as a gift. There's this story. I actually want to share it. My friend shared this with me the other day, and I think it's such a perfect example of how we can view life to get us out of victimhood. The story goes, there was, you guys might've, you might know this one. I might butcher it as well, by the way. So please. Help me not butcher this but there's a chinese i think there's a chinese farmer and he has four horses right and one day two four of the horses they run away they run away the forces leave the paddock and that was his livelihood and everyone in the village was like oh my god what a terrible thing what a terrible thing to happen your livelihood it's gone what are you gonna do what are you gonna do i think this might even be a parable from the bible and it's not chinese and <laughs> someone's just adapted it but you know <laughs> like chinese whiskey, like, um and they're like oh my god it's terrible and he's like maybe Maybe the next day, two horses come back, and he, everyone's like, Oh my God, wow, what a miracle! These two horses have come back. How great, how great. And he's like, Maybe the next day, his son is on the horses. He rides one of the horses, he breaks both of his legs, and everyone's like, Oh my God, what a terrible thing to happen! That's that's terrible. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And he's like, Maybe. A couple of weeks later, the war begins and soldiers start coming and enlisting all of the boys in the neighborhood of a certain age. His son couldn't get enlisted because he had a broken leg, right? And everyone's like, "Wow, what a blessing!" And he goes, "Maybe." So the parable, this, the moral of the story is: we judge something as bad, and oh my god, that's the worst fucking thing that could have possibly happened. When there's a blessing in it, there's a reason for it. It's always leading us to our next thing. There's been so many examples. I'm not even going to launch into them because I could be here for five hours. Talking about the number of things that blew up in my face, didn't work, were failures. They fucking sucked at the time. They were like, This is the hardest shit that I've ever had to go through. Why is this happening happening to me? And there has been such a blessing that has come out of that thing that if I hadn't have gone through that, I wouldn't have grown. If I hadn't have gone through that, I wouldn't have been available for the, the blessing of like, I missed my flight and I couldn't go home because. And my COVID test was positive and all I wanted to do was go home, but then I was stuck in Mexico. And then I had to go to Tulum to meet this person and have this incredible fucking experience for 10 days. And that wouldn't have happened if I couldn't get on my flight, which I was so angry about. Right. And we judge things prematurely of like, this is the worst thing ever without being open and curious as to like, what is this showing me? What is this teaching me? Where's the gift? Where's the medicine? There's always medicine. There is always medicine, even in the most horrible sensations and feelings Um, there is always medicine. And so that's an empowering way, I believe, to view life. Like, what is the medicine in my situation? What am I learning? What am I learning about life, about myself? What am I being shown? Like, what is this projected reality showing me about something within myself that I can either change and evolve through or, um, you know, accept or whatever it is, right? Yeah. Yeah.
2: I I think I'm at that stage at the moment where uh, I'm trying to, because a lot lot like what you've gone over there, a lot of people panic prematurely, but it's because, I don't know, we're kind of wired up to point blame as soon as we can, to to take that heavy, uh, if what feels like a heavy burden off our shoulders, we just point blame to push it onto someone else, rather than just being a bit content for a moment and and looking within. So I feel like that's where I'm at at the moment.
1: Yeah. And it's because we're resistant to change. And we don't want change. We want familiar. We want safe. But I'm telling you, no one grew from their comfort zone. Like, no one. And that's all over the hustle mentality, bro culture, like mindset work. I don't need to go <laughs> into that. You've all heard that before, right? Yeah. But it's true. It is true. Every, like, I'm about to go next month. Oh my God, the resistance in my whole body. I'm about to go to Guatemala on a five day jungle hike. I'm not, that is not my vibe. I love nature not want to ju- like jungle hike in the fucking trek to a pyramid for a pilgrimage like it's not my style and there's so much resistance that I know it's the very thing I need to do to evolve into my next level which is rewilding myself like I'm pretty rewilded considering who I was if you knew me before I was very I was a princess right which is not true it's conditioning but yeah. um I can see how my evolution is it requires me to get really fucking uncomfortable. It required me to come here to Mexico with barely any money being like, I have this download of, I have to go to Mexico. I don't know why the ancestors are calling me there. I'm going to trust. I'm going to follow my intuition. The number of times in my life I've been asked or required to do things that were fucking difficult that I could have been like, no, I'm going to pick the easy thing because it's safe and it's familiar and it's known. And I wouldn't have changed. I wouldn't have had the the payoff. I'm not saying that it has to be difficult for you to have the payoff, but That's where the growth is. It's like, I did this thing that was so terrifying and I did it and I didn't die. Like, and here I am still living and breathing and and some bullshit that I told myself was not possible um, is, is actually possible and it didn't kill me and whatever. And the problem is we're surrounded by people who project their own fears onto us. You're not going to, my dad did this, my whole, the start of my business, the first two years of my business, entrepreneurs never make it, stay in your comfortable job, get a fucking profession that's like reputable, do this, do that, you're smart, you could do medicine, like well, all this shit projected onto me. You can't go live in Bali, don't go to Mexico, everyone's a cartel in Mexico, right? Like constantly project, it's true, there's so many of them here, I've met a lot of them, no, I'm kidding. I mean, there are, it's true, I've, I've had some stories told to me that I was like, fuck, um, but it's constantly projected, right? And if you listen to those things then you're going to take them on as your truth and they're just other people's shit being projected onto you. And so can you free yourself from that? Can you be like, I hear the voice in my head that is telling me this is terrifying and I can't possibly get through this, but I'm going to choose to believe in the part of myself on the other side of this who has experienced the up level because of it. And that's okay. So manifesting, right? People try and manifest and they try and manifest something and they think oh it's not working because everything shows up that's the opposite of what they've asked for not realizing that every time something shows up that's not quite there or something goes backwards or whatever it is it's creating space for them to embody the person who has that desire right so every single karmic relationship that came in for me every soulmate that came in that broke my fucking heart is preparing me for my divine union. And I used to be victimized by that and be like, why God, did you bring me? I just wanted this, 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 and this, and this, but you brought me this and what the fuck? Like, it's not fair. Not realizing that every experience was a moment for me to love myself a little bit more, for me to express a boundary, for me to grow, for me to develop, to be the woman who is in resonance with what I'm calling in, right? Like if we get something before we're ready to hold it, And not push it away because of our trauma or our conditioning or fuck it up or sabotage or whatever it is. God doesn't want us, God, the universe, our higher self, whatever, doesn't want us to have our manifestations before we're ready to hold them. And that's what people don't realize. Like everything that's showing up that is not the thing that you want or seems shitty is preparing you. Like it's on its way. It's preparing you for what you desire. You just need to, like a quantum shift happens and that thing shows up when you're embodying so deeply the identity level of the version of yourself that has that. And there's no resistance. There's no worthiness blocks. There's no stories attached to it. It's just like, oh yeah, I could have that. It's that simple, right? And then it shows up because you just don't even give a shit about it by that point because you feel so good that it's like, I'm not attaching my identity to this partner or I'm not attaching my identity to this 10K month or whatever it is. There's no story. So like, I just flow and I just follow the next thing because I don't need to get anywhere, right? Is that making sense? What I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So it's actually the journey that we go on to attain our desires or to, to have the things that we want in which we find out who we are as a soul in which we find out what our true purpose is. Like my life initiated me to this path. Like all the things that I thought I wanted initiated me to what would truly fulfill me. And sometimes what we think we truly want, wouldn't truly actually fulfill us. It's just feeling a void. Um, Or there's something else that we couldn't even, like, I could not have even imagined the shit that I'm out here doing. If you told me 10 years ago, you're going to be this medicine woman traveling around nomadically, like meeting all these cool people, like speaking to spirit, like having these mystical experiences every second day that are like, you just took five grams of mushrooms sober. Like if someone had told me that I would have literally laughed in their face because it was so far removed from where I was. And sometimes our true desires, our soul desires for us, our destiny is so big. It's so completely different to anything that we could dream at from our current access point that we can't even be fed it. We just have to be fed the breadcrumb trail of okay, coaching. <laughs> okay, cool. Coaching. That's like, I can accept that. I want to help people with mindset. And then it was like from coaching, it was a bit of energy healing. Oh, okay, cool. Then shamanic stuff. And then it was working with shamanic you know, ancestors. I can accept ancestors and I can accept talking to trees and plants. That seems cool. And then it was the aliens started talking to me and I was like, fuck, this is a, a bit of a stretch. I'm here to channel aliens. Damn. Like that's, that's crazy. And then it was dragons and fucking unicorns and all sorts of, cra- you know, it's just, it just, but I was not prepared. I was not ready for that if someone had told me you'll be channeling aliens and doing a conference at the end of the year at a conference for ufology channeling aliens i would literally look at them in the face and be like you know wow
0: when you channel aliens what what does that entail like
1: (laughs) what does that entail so channeling is basically just tuning into Things existing on different dimensional spectrum. So we're here in 3D. Some humans are kind of tuning into the fourth dimension, which is the astral realm, which is where we go and we dream, we sleep. Fifth dimension is Christ consciousness or it's unity consciousness, or it's where we're all kind of like sharing a collective memory. These interdimensional, high high dimensional beings, or that's what I like to call them, aliens, are basically just other races and beings who exist on higher dimensional frequencies. So they don't have a physical body here in our, plane of existence because it's not necessary for them they're vibrating at a higher frequency where they don't require a body um so i connect to them because they seated us here like this is probably really out there for your podcast but um there are many schools of thought or, well not many schools of thought i fucking know this to be true so i'm just gonna say it i'm gonna come out and say it like we were seated here through various extraterrestrial races that uh, humans were experiment, right? And so there was a human or whatever, I don't know what the actual species was called of humans here to begin with. They came down to basically mine the earth for gold. They started experimenting with humans. Um, there's a lot of different races that have come here from different, and they've all experimented with humans. Long story short, here we are, these hybrid humans with that DNA within us, and it's the divine DNA the 12-strand DNA. It's a DNA, DNA that allows us to time travel, to bilocate physically, to, um, you know, spaceships, for instance. The way that they travel is because of they're able to manipulate time and space in different ways. Or they're beyond like the construct of our construct of time, for instance, like linear time that only exists in the third dimension, fourth dimension and above, and we're in quantum time, which means that all reality is stacked up like parallel, right? it's all sim- simultaneously occurring. So basically these are just beings who are, are higher frequency, they've ascended past kind of like the level that humans are at, because humans are actually very low consciousness on, on in terms of like the scale of how far we can go as a soul in terms of our evolution, right? So these are just beings basically who are in higher, dimensions um, who have access to wisdom and knowledge they're here to share with us to remind us that we have this within us because that's what humans are going through right now we're going through this transformation into fifth consciousness um the fifth dimension which is heart consciousness which is telepathically connecting to each other which is connecting to the earth as a an organism and seeing the oneness in everything which is what christ consciousness Mm -hmm. is it's like the recognition of we're creators, we're limitless, we're connected to everything, we're connected to each other, there is no separation, there is just unity, right? Unity consciousness. So they're here to help us remember that. They're not here to fuck with us, <laughs> to you know, come down and and whatever the fuck people are saying. Yes, there are some beings who aren't so nice and they were in our governments. And manip- if you go down that rabbit hole, like cool, enjoy it. I had to go down that rabbit hole to now realize that's a rabbit hole that I'm not interested in you know, it was there. It's a thing. Now we don't need to pay attention to pay lip service to that because we want to create something new. So, yeah. I mean, if you want to talk about why humans are enslaved into this system of money and this and that, it was very tactical. So we would never remember that we are these limitless creators, that we have this DNA within us that we all can awaken all of us. It's not just fucking me because I'm special. It's not, you know, I don't not gifted. I'm not anyone that you can't be. And that's really what Jesus teachings were. And they just got so fucking backwards manipulated by society. Jesus wasn't saying I am God's child and I'm the only one. He was saying, I think there's actually a quote of like all, all of you can, I don't know what the quote, I'm really bad at quotes and remembering shit today, obviously, but he was basically saying everything that I can do, you can do. And that was immediately taken out of the Bible. And it's in Mary Magdalene's gospel, which by the way, they were together. That was a divine union. She wasn't a prostitute. She was a priestess. So it's, there's this, yeah. Anyway, but he was basically saying, you were creators. You can turn water into wine. You can do this. You can do that. Um, God is within you. God is not outside of you. Right. That was his teaching. He was an alien, like, and not alien. Like he wasn't alien, alien, but he had his soul, was from a lineage that obviously wasn't from here. We call them Lightworkers, Star Seeds, whatever, Ascended Masters, and he had mastered this over years and in incarnations and incarnations, mystery school teachings to come here in that incarnation and leave that imprint. Um,
0: where so- did society sort of go on? So Jesus had all these, had all these teachings. Where do you think society? where's the point where society decides to take the path it's taken today and? majority of people have forgotten what these spiritual teachings are
1: when we started disrespecting the goddess when we started moving out of the feminine because we revered the feminine right back in way back we revered the earth we revered the feminine this is our indigenous cultures these were the ones who you know if you look i'm here in mexico i've been receiving a lot from the mayans because i have mayan lineage not this version of beck but my soul has mayan lineage which is very hard for people to understand they're like but you're not mexico and i'm like "Fuck, i might as well be But um, these were cultures who like the pyramids, all of these things were created because they were working in conjunction with these extraterrestrial races. They were literally like raising us like forefathers. You see all these God beings in all of these, um, you know, in like Egypt and this and that. there were these huge beings that they were depicted as gods. They weren't, they were just us bigger (laughs) with all of their DNA kind of on, right? Um, So we had all of that. We had, we were worshiping the earth. We were revered. We had Atlantis, which was super, we were all very, very, switched on. We were all very advanced. We were using this technology and this wisdom in this crazy, amazing way. But along the way we got lost and started, the ego took over the ego of, I am God, not God is within me. I am God. I am the creator. I am going to inflict my will on others. And then we started disrespecting each other. Right. And then came i'm not i love men and i have no problems with the patriarchy i want to say i did a lot of healing about this so before you start thinking she's this crazy feminist she's gonna bash on men it's not true i absolutely adore men um but we had this patriarchal shift of men who couldn't handle revering the goddess they couldn't handle the the feminine being in this power and this kind of came from there were two factions like this is going down the rabbit hole of who seated us here, but there were two factions of those beings. There were some who wanted to raise us like their children and teach us the ways and all of this. And there were some who saw us essentially as slaves, as an inferior race. They wanted to enslave and control us, right? Those ones kind of at some point took over <laughs> and then they started imprinting um, war because they were, so these beings, while they were more evolved and have a higher level, they we were still created in their image. And so our emotions, the power, the greed, the, all the negative thing, they, that, that's imprinted into us from them. So we are just, those not so nice things of humanity are represented by these races who just haven't evolved. And it doesn't mean that they're bad and wrong because they have their chance to evolve as souls. But basically like those traits that we see in like Game of Thrones and all of that stuff, these beings had that. And so they wanted to control and enslave. And so then they created this system by which to enslave humans, which is money, which is finances. And then our whole society became very, masculine focused men as leaders war um we had to go into that we had to go into this like dark age as a humanity basically to learn lessons as a humanity to go through karma as a humanity to now get to this point where we can switch that back and it's not even about going back to the age of the goddess because it's not that it's about the feminine and the masculine coming together now in unity and revering each other and working together which is unity consciousness but essentially we had to go through all of that and there's it's like Again, it's this higher perspective of all the good leads, uh, sorry, all the bad leads to good. And there's no right or wrong. It just, it just was, it's our history for humans to evolve beyond fear, beyond separation. We had to learn our lessons and humanity's young, like in terms of all the races in the star system, we're really fucking young. And so we're just where we're at in our evolutionary process. You think, oh, thousands of millions of years However, I don't know how long humans have actually been here, but that's a long time. Some of these other beings, it's like millions and millions of years they have been here. And it's the evolutionary process that we all go through as souls. So humanities as a race is actually fairly young, even though we've reached these pinnacle points like Atlantis or Lemuria, we're still pretty young. And so we still need to learn these lessons, break this karma, break ourselves out of that cycle so we can evolve. And the good news is we're getting there, like we're getting to a point where the percentage of awakened beings is tipping that scale where it's like, now there's, you guys have probably heard this statistic of like how many people need to be awakened in order to influence the whole of humanity. Like that is, I'm feeling the shift happening. The energies are really supportive of that shift happening. People are becoming more conscious, more aware, um, more awake, more self-aware, more loving, more kind, more aware of their impact on the earth. You know, psychedelic studies are coming out and helping people and all these amazing things are happening. You can focus on all the things that aren't fucking working. We still have walls. We still have governments stuck. Like, but I prefer to focus on look how many people look at the fact that we're having this conversation on this podcast, people are listening to it, you know, that's amazing. Um, so we are, I think as a humanity evolving and growing and, there are many of us like myself and i'm sure you guys at some point um who aren't human as a soul like our soul didn't originate from this earth who've come here to remind humans and to help them to evolve right uh, doesn't make us better doesn't make us any fucking different i still did a lot of shitty things that, That essentially was me clearing up my karma for the past three years, remembering all the terrible things that I did, enslaving humanity, killing people, um, raping people. You know, I was having to face all of that and be like, you think you're this goddess fucking starseed healer? And here you are having to remember doing terrible things to people like shit, you know, and forgiving yourself. So yeah, we're all evolving and growing and we all have to go through certain things to choose love, right? It's not a choice that some of us make naturally. We have to understand what isn't love and experience doing that to then have the inverse of what it feels like to have that done to us to then be like, I actually choose to not do that in the next lifetime because I don't want to create karmic ripples for some future version yeah. of me to deal with. I, I want to leave a, a beautiful legacy. Yeah.
0: So, how important do you think? Do um, you mention drugs? A few times how important do you think psychedelics are in a spiritual awakening
1: it's really interesting that you're saying this to me right so i've done i i have done quite a few psychedelic kind of or plant medicines i've done wachuma which is like san pedro it's cactus medicine i used to do a lot of mushrooms so psilocybin one of the biggest experiences i had earlier on this journey was a five gram like a heroic dose of mushrooms and i had a complete ego death it was like earth shattering but it was so useful um i believe and i know this for fact i used to do a lot of drugs like drugs recreationally as a a kid like 20 in my 20s right to try and seek these experiences of oneness and connection and i was seeking god through these drugs now having tried pretty much most of the things that are out let's say i haven't i haven't had heroin i've never done meth um Pretty much everything else, like I've tried at some point, right? I I was pretty adventurous in my younger years, let's say. Um, I have experiences on a daily basis where I'm like, oh, it feels like I'm tripping balls on mushrooms now. Or, oh my God, I feel that feeling of MDMA where my whole body is like warm and fuzzy and I feel connected. Or, oh my God, I feel like I'm on weed. Or I have a lot of ayahuasca journeys without taking ayahuasca because I connect directly to the spirit. Um, if you had have asked me this like three weeks ago, I would have said... <laughs> I would have said these medicines are an access point for us to access these expanded states of consciousness that we don't need the medicine to access, which is what I help people with. That's literally what I do. I am the ayahuasca for you to help you get into that state by raising the frequency of the container. So these energies are kind of hitting you and then you're able to have these states of consciousness. Having said that a couple of weeks ago, like last week, the spirit of ayahuasca came to me and she was like, "Beck, you're ready. It's time. I, you need to come take my medicine. You need a journey with me. And I was like, "Nope." And she's like, yes, yes, you do. Like, yes, you do. And I was like, I don't want to like, it's too much. Like, cause I'm so fucking open. I don't want to, I'm already tripping on. It. I just like need to be more human. Like what the fuck, you know, I have these experiences where I lay down and I'm out for hours having a full on medicine journey. sober, right. So I don't need the medicine. And she said to me, it's not about you. And I was like, Whoa, there you go. There's the ego smack in my face. She's like, it's not about you. It's not about your healing. It's about when you take this plant and I'm inside of you, you're at the frequency of the plants, which is the level that I need you to be working with now, now that you're working with the earth, which is also why I need to go to the jungle. But it's like me connecting to that plant medicine is, is tapping into an even deeper connection with the earth an even deeper connection with that specific frequency. right? So it's not actually about me and my healing. It's about the work that I'm doing out here in Mexico and everywhere that I'm doing with the, with the earth. So I think for some people backtracking <laughs> what I'm saying, they're not necessary. For me, it was not necessary to do medicine, to access these expanded states of consciousness. Like that, that's so natural for me. Like it's actually harder for me to be human most of the time and not be tripping balls. Like really it's like, it's my life is one long ayahuasca journey. <laughs> um, so it is possible. Right. And we can access those states without needing the thing. It is very helpful, though, for people earlier on their journey, for people who can't meditate, for people who have too much stuff in the way to get that stuff out of the way um, so they can be shown something. And these people can have experiences that change their fucking lives in one sitting with this medicine. And I think it's so powerful and it's so beautiful. And I've always revered plant medicine. It just I've been like, it's I don't need it. It's not necessary. Like I am plant. like, I don't, you know, I don't need it um, because, for instance, like yesterday, I had an experience I laid down. And I had a full on, like, you know how people talk about, oh, I had this psychedelic experience and my father came to me and apologized for everything. And then I saw myself as this and that, and I had these visions. And then the partner I just broke up with came in child form and I had one of them yesterday. And it was so fucking profound that I released a connection that I'd really been holding onto. And there was like, literally it was night and day, me before that activation, me after that activation. And I accessed those states without medicine. So anyone can access those states without medicine, but to get here, Was three years of me religiously meditating for an hour and a half a fucking day. It was enduring all the kundalini shit that I went through. It was like, you know, so it's not just like I just suddenly was like, bam, I'm having mushroom journeys sober, um, bliss states, expanded states of consciousness. I had to go through some stuff, and I think that's why medicine is good because, like we were saying at the start, people like. They find it hard to commit to the long haul, right? And so it's good because it's like, well, you don't need to commit to the long haul. Take this plant. The plant will show you what you need to fucking see and it will be difficult and it will lay you on your ass and it won't be nice. And it wasn't. When I did five grams of mushrooms, it fucking sucked. Like I had a complete ego death. It was horrible. I was like, Beck doesn't exist. There is no normal. Time will never be normal. Like there is no time. I was so depressed for weeks after that. I was like, this is, nothing is fucking real. What's the point? And then I was like, Nothing is fucking real. What's the point? Like, awesome. Right. So, but it, it, sometimes you need something to help you remove those filters and the blinders and the parts of yourself you don't want to look at it. Um, not everyone is like me who's like, show it to me. Show me the fucking thing. I'm crazy like that. I'm like, it just take me to the deepest, darkest, fucked up thing that I don't want to look at. Like, show it to me. Sometimes I'm given it and I'm like, oh, why do you have to show it to me? Right. But not everyone's like that. And that's why I do what I do because. I love that shit. I'm all for it. I'm all for the intensity of it. So I think they're great. And I think they're so important. And I'm so happy that more people are taking them. I'm an advocate a hundred million thousand percent. I think it's a problem when people become, and I've seen this so many people, I'm going to go do ayahuasca 30 times and not integrate any of the fucking lessons from the medicine. And in this medicine journey, I'm like, Oh, I'm so connected to everything. And I'm having this spiritual experience. But they don't take back any of those lessons and actually apply them. So, integration is like if you're not integrating it, what's the point of taking the yeah. medicine? Well,
2: it's yeah. like smoking weed, and then you get paranoid. And then yeah. you hate smoking weed because you're paranoid about shit that's going wrong in your life. Whereas, yeah. you should smoke it, get paranoid, and then fix whatever's causing the issue.
1: Yeah, I had a, a podcast recently. You guys know Ryan Sprog, Sprog, Ryan. Sprog? He does this one time on psychedelics is his podcast. Anyway, he's now a mate of mine, introduced to me through our mutual friend, and he does a lot of weed awareness or like teaching people how to, you should have him on here actually. He's great. I'll connect you guys. He was talking about how the weed only brings up what's already within you. So it's not like that weed is the fault for what you're experiencing. Right. Cause I used to get super paranoid on weed as well. And I had to not smoke it. Cause I was like, this is horrible. Why do I want to be in crippling anxiety that the police are going to come? Like that's fucking not fun. Um, and it was only showing me my internal thing that I didn't want to look at. And now it's like, when something comes up I'm like, well, this is coming up for a purpose. I remember on my five gram mushroom journey, I related to the mushrooms, like this maternal energy. It was just, it wasn't like all these spirits and this and that. It was me and this maternal energy, like this mother. And that's all I could describe it as. And my mantra through that entire thing was like, I trust you, mama. I trust you. I trust you, mama. I trust you. I trust you that if you are showing me something, there is a reason you're showing it to me. And even if it's fucking literally, I'm looking at the devil in the face, there's a reason you're showing it to me. And it's going to shift, right? Like it comes in these waves where people think if I avoid the grief, um, then I don't have to sit in it forever. If I get into the grief, or I start feeling the grief or the pain or the scary thing, it's going to last for fucking ever. And actually they do not realize if you just go full balls deep into it and feel it all, there's not much more to feel. Like yesterday, I was experiencing some grief due to a relationship ending that actually felt like someone had died. It was like grief beyond, this was like a deep soulmate soulmate connection. And it really fucking broke me. Like it broke me. I love this man. And it was like, having to deal with that grief that I've been avoiding, which is why I hadn't called in a soulmate who loved me back. Right. I was always calling in soulmates who couldn't love me back. Anyway, long story short, had this relationship. It ended. I had to end it for my own like self-worth, my own self-love. And the grief that I was being shown yesterday, there was a point where I was like, firstly, I don't even know if I can hold this much grief, but I also don't want to continue this anymore. I said to myself, I said to my body, I said to God, I said to my higher self, let's just fucking do it. Let's go in and feel it till there's no more. Like, let's just feel it all. I just going to feel it all. I'm going to feel it all. And it will either fucking kill me or I'll release it. It was there for an hour. Right. It had been days actually a week before like slower release, but this was like yesterday. It was this moment of like, I actually, this is some intense shit and I can't hold this. And this is, I've been through some shit, like some really heavy shit, but this was like, Whoa. And I just had this moment of like, there's nothing I can do, but just feel it. It took an hour. It took an hour of me just being like praying, help me hold this, help me love this, help me be enough love to hold this. It's it's okay. It's going to pass. It's okay. It's going to pass. This is not forever. It feels like it's forever, but it's not. And then bam, after an hour of like praying and just holding it with love, this whole journey happened that I just said, and all these things happened. And then 30 minutes of that. And I came out the other side with no grief. It was like, I thought of him And I was just smiling and it was like, oh my God, I've shifted that so quickly just by being willing to feel it. Um, And that's what it's like with these medicines. Like they bring it up, the intensity of all of it. So you can just sit with it and look at it. And usually this thing that you've created, this huge story about, it's so scary. It's so deep. It's so painful. You'd be surprised at how much you can fucking hold and you would not be given anything that you can't hold. And that's been a reminder for me um, because this path to get to where I am has there's been some contracts for me to feel some things, which like I said earlier, most people would end their lives if they felt it. Like there was a good, in 2020, it was super heavy. And I was fighting literal demons every single day. I was receiving attacks. I was seeing like, it was horrible. It was really, really awful feeling. Pretty much the abuse of every single child has ever felt like sexual abuse, right? Like, so it was like some really heavy fucking shit for humanity that I was feeling, which I don't do anymore because it's not my job to feel things for others, but- all I could do was literally pray. Like I was on my hands and knees every fucking day crying on my kitchen floor, just being like, God, please hold me with enough love to get through this. Like find, help me to find that light within me. Cause I cannot do this alone. And it required for me to reach to a higher part of myself because my human was not handling it. But because of that now, any single thing, like yesterday, I thought that was going to break me and kill me. I was like, Whoa, this is like, I didn't even know I could feel this much grief about a dude. Like that's fucked. Um, I just kept remembering, do you remember that time in 2020, when you were going to kill yourself because you were being siphoned and attacked and drained, and you thought you couldn't get through that and you got through that. And then everything was fine after that. It's like, everything initiates you into the next thing and you become stronger and then you become capable of holding it. And you're like, I can do this. I can do this. This seems like this is never ending. This seems like I will never get out of this, but there is a part of me that is so much love that when I access that part of me, I can hold this. I can hold this version of myself in this grief. I can hold myself that's experiencing loss. I can hold myself in this discomfort because it's an illusion because really all it is is love. All it is is love. And you just need to be able to access slightly stronger part of you that has that awareness that's connected to the infinite love that we all are. And if you can't access it through fucking Jesus, access it through Buddha, access it through angels, access it through your dead mom, access it through something, right? put it outside of yourself. If you can't find that from within you, from your own heart space, find something that will inspire that love in you, a feeling like you're supported. Like if you're not religious, you don't believe in God, Um, there's something for you to, you know, even if it's my own strength or my higher self, whatever, find something that inspires that strength within you or that reason for getting through it. Um, I just went on another rant. I'm really good at doing that. I just go on. Yeah, long be, a-
2: insightful rants, but um, yeah. So what you're, talking about is building resilience, basically, but on a much sort of deeper level of resilience. And what I I don't know if you've heard of Chris Williamson. He's a UK podcaster. He's moved over to Texas. And I was listening to him the other day and he was talking about, um, he he put a scenario out there where he's got, say you've got a friend and you agree to meet at three o'clock and you get there and he doesn't turn up till 3.30. And then you meet him again a few weeks later. He doesn't turn up to 3.45. And then you meet him again and he doesn't turn up at all. He doesn't ring you. He doesn't, doesn't let you know that he's not coming. You'll stop hanging around with that guy because he's he's making you feel some type of way and he's not great for you because you don't trust him anymore. So it's negative energy Who you wouldn't hang around with because he's just passing that negative energy onto you subconsciously without him even knowing that he's doing that. And then he said to himself, "Um, I don't know if this was his own situation or just put it out there, but he said, "Imagine you've got a list of things to do for yourself and you put them off and you need to do this thing for yourself at nine a m in the morning and you don't do it, you say, I'll do it tomorrow if you if all them jobs were your friend doing that, you would stop hanging around with him. so why would you do it to yourself and continue like pretending that you're happy? You should really take on the burden as if actually you're giving me negative energy to yourself and fix that and basically what he was saying was like people who are struggling with building resilience because they're in situations where they can't go straight to that deep level of resilience and they need the low-hanging fruit to begin with fix up your own life just by little increments and quite a few years back now before i even started i would call a spiritual journey um i listened to jordan peterson and I read his book and he said just clean your uh, clean your room and make your bed in every morning and that's something i still keep in my mind today it's like clean up your space clean up your life make yourself content with you and make yourself responsible if you're not doing things that you should be doing and just by doing that you'll build these lower levels of resilience and then when you get another sort of opportunity to you can level it up again and then opportunities are what we were discussing before are challenges which a lot of people will look at because they've not done them lower levels of resilience. They'll look at these challenges and think, fuck, I can't do that. I'll rather just not do it and go and watch TV or go and play a video game. I am not dealing with that right now because that's too much stress for me. But if you had built up them lower levels of resilience, you would then see that as an opportunity. So challenges should be seen as an opportunity to make yourself a better person. So the way I'm looking at life now is, and it is hard in certain situations, but it's something that you can work on. It's seeing a challenge and thinking, but there's a challenge, you get excited by it. Like, I can problem solve, I can use my mind, I can actually think about things for a while, and I'll develop from it. So, I don't know, if people can start looking at resilience as more of a game of leveling up, and it's fun, because the more resilient you get, the the happier you are, because you're not scared and you're not lying to yourself. I think a lot of people lie to themselves because they're a bit lazy, um, and they can't be bothered sort of addressing it. So. Yeah, that's just my sort of take on what you were saying.
1: I love that, and if you see everything as it's an opportunity to grow. By the way, I wasn't laughing at your story. I was laughing because that's literally why I ended my last relationship. I was like, here is spirit, just like riding fucking your face, like this guy (laughs) that couldn't turn up on time. We're in Mexico, so it's not a surprise. But like, yeah, it it was really funny. I was like, I feel triggered. Do I feel triggered? I don't feel triggered. I'm laughing, but um, but it was it was for me to see the parts of myself that weren't showing up on time, that weren't in my committed masculine. Like he was literally a mirror to my own flaky fucking bullshit, which I had to deal with and choose myself. So. Yeah, but um, it's interesting. I actually started this whole journey as a choice to work out more. Like that sounds so crazy, but like the first access point for me on this whole journey was exercise. And it wasn't even like hard workouts. It was going for a walk every day. Like such a small, simple thing, committing to it. You don't need to be me on this crazy ass fucking like, let's jump off a bridge and like go nuts. You don't need to start like that. Like something as small as I'm going to go for a walk every day. I'm going to eat a vegetable. <laughs> I'm going (laughs) to like read a page of a book, like so small, but they make, like you said, the incremental change over time. I, so I'm so here for that. Um, yeah, because I think a lot of the, the problem is we freak ourselves out because we see the end result and we're like, how, how the fuck am I going to get that, get there? Like that's so far, but it's that 1% better every day. That's the, that's, I love, I love that. Um, yeah. Unless you're ready to go all in and I'm like really for the all in camp, like go. Yeah, fucking. It's like
0: the opposite what you, the took.
1: Yeah. I'm the wild feminine. So like, give me the intensity, right? I'm here to feel it all, but no, that's not, that's not for everyone. And we don't want people to fall off. And, and, you know, like it's, it's when I started meditating, for instance, I could not even sit there for 10 minutes and I set myself this goal of I'm going to meditate for an hour a day. And I would get so disappointed because it'd be two minutes in and I'd be like, well, I can't focus. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to start with 10 minutes a day. And even if those 10 minutes of fucking shit, I'm going to sit on that pillow. I'm not going to get up. And I kept doing that 10 minutes, 10 minutes, 10 minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 20 minutes, 40 minutes, 40 minutes, 40 minutes, 40 minutes for a year, 40 minutes for two years. And then it was like, now I'm like, you can't stop me. I'd rather be there than here. Like really hours, hours at a time. I'm gone. Um, But it took, Every day, I was like, I don't want to fucking do it today. That's what I love about Joe Dispenza, right? Like, do you get, you're, I'm sure you're familiar with Joe Dispenza's work. Yeah,
2: I've seen him on yeah. quite a
1: few podcasts. It, yeah, he talks about, like, you commit every day. You sit down, that 40 minutes, you commit to it. Even if you don't want to do it, you commit to it. You commit, you show up, you show up, you show up. That's what creates a change in habits. And when you create a change in habits and you create a change in personality, and then you can tackle the bigger things. But it's that consistent, solid effort, um, which, to be fair, like, you guys are only hearing the past four years of my journey. You're not hearing the six years from when I was 20 of the consistently fucking trying and failing and falling down, falling off the bandwagon, and then going on a five day bender drug taking like you didn't hear that part of the story because that we would need five years to unpack that. But you're hearing the inspirational. Oh, she had this experience overnight and suddenly her kundalini was woke and she was having these trippy, you know, it's like it's not like that. It was years. Since I was 20, I'm 30. That's a decade of working on myself to get to this point. So there's some healthy perspective, guys. Like even the healers, the shamans or whatever, you see this, all the people that you see are successful, like Gary Vee or fucking Aubrey Mark or whatever. You see them and you're like, put them on a pedestal, but you don't know what actually it took for them to get there. Like the commitment they had to make. And there's nothing they can do that you can't do. They just made a decision that they could do it and they weren't going to stop until they did it that's the difference between a person who's successful by, I hate that word, but like by societal standards and a person who isn't, is that they decided I'm not giving up. I'm not fucking giving up. My dad made his money at 40. Like, and my sister keeps reminding me of that because I had a tough time in my, the first three years, two years of my business were really tough. I was barely making ads meet as an entrepreneur. And she kept reminding me, babe, 30 dad made his money after 40. Like, you know, it's cool. Like you hear that people making their success later in life because they needed to have those lessons or that, that grit, that chutzpah, that like commitment to themselves. Um, So it's important to know that and to not think it's, it's easy or it's overnight. And that's what social media does. It makes us all think in this hyper real reality where things just happen like that. And it's like, actually, that's not true. That person, that coach that's celebrating 10K months was actually in sales for 10 years before they started being a coach. And the reason why you're not doing that, Beck, it's not because you're shit, but what you do is because you don't have 10 years of sales experience close this, you know? Like, and that's when I realized that stuff, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to stop beating myself up and comparing myself to others and compare myself to me. I'm going to compare myself to me five weeks ago. I'm going to compare myself to me five years ago. If I compare myself to me last week, I'm like, damn girl, you've grown. Right. So it's, it's compare yourself to yourself and stop comparing yourself to other people. You didn't come here to be someone else. You came here to be you. And that's the other thing that I kind of want to say to your audience, like important to know, stop fucking sugarcoating yourself and trying to be someone that you think people will like, that's Mm. a lie. Like they're not even liking you for the real you. When you can be yourself authentically without giving it, it's so freeing, honestly, because I used to say, I don't give a shit, but it was a mask of me. I'm this tough rebel independent, don't give a shit. But really, I was like, please love me. Please love me. I'm going to push you all away. So you don't push me away. But now I genuinely don't give a shit. And it's so fucking freeing, like just not giving a shit. It's like, oh, I don't care if you don't like me because there's people who like me because of who I am, right? And they like me with my fucking weird shit. I'm weird. I'm a weird person. I really like, I, I don't know many people as weird as me. And that's like probably some identity thing I'm trying to tell myself. I'm so different. But, you know, but there's people who are going to love you for your weird shit and meet you in your weird shit. And so why are you pretending? Like we all want love. We all want to be loved. So love yourself for who you are and stop trying to be someone else and compare yourself to someone else's vision or version of success or what they've achieved or what they haven't achieved or where they're at. And it's different from where you are, like you're exactly where you need to be. You came here to be you, like literally if you understood the intricate process that a soul goes through, and I wanna share this for someone to listen to, there is a viewing platform, the life between lives, the place we go as a soul to like integrate our lessons from the last life and decide, what do I wanna experience? Like, right? You go through this intricate process And I don't even know how long it takes because there's no time up there. It's like a different spectrum of selecting everything about the human vessel that you decide to enter into your traits, your faults, your weaknesses, your physical appearance, the things you'll come up against, the people you're going to meet, like your parents, everything you design it (laughs) because you chose that. Like your soul thinks you're fucking dope. Your soul didn't want to be anyone but you. Like, how cool is that? I think whenever I am having some like self-love shit come up or I feel unworthy, I'm like, my soul chose this, this, this me to come into with my curves, with my face, with my tattoos, not the tattoos, because I didn't have tattoos when I was born. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Everything about me, I chose it. And I was like, I love that. That's what I want. I could have chosen any other human to come into, but I chose this human. And that's fucking cool to think about that. It was no mistake in you being born and you being here and you choosing this vessel. So start looking at it. Like, why did my soul choose to have a very difficult me? Like my mind is my biggest enemy i might seem that i have a lot of light and strength in me but it's only because i'm fucking battling hell in my mind every day like my darkness is immense like it's very dark um but i chose that my soul chose to have a human with this depressed disposition with a history of mental illness in the family with my unique challenges with my self-talk with whatever it is the brain that i chose for a reason to make me who i am because it was that constant Battle against myself which made me love myself which made me deal with my thoughts which made me whatever so like seriously like someone out there i don't know you need to hear this go journal on like why did my soul choose me the way that i am like what are the fucking dope reasons why my soul would have chosen me and not someone else to inhabit
2: well i like what you're saying about um just living in the cell that you've got and being grateful and happy with what you're doing with yourself and then i also like what you've said about the fact that you're weird and you embrace that weirdness because I said this I say this to my friend a lot because he says he always says oh that's weird that's weird and then I said to him I think everyone's weird just a lot of people are good at suppressing it but then what you've just said then has made me realize like the more the less people suppress it the happier they'll be people are suppressing weirdness because they want to fit the quota of what life should be or what TV tells you life should be and then they're not actually happy because they're like I'm so out of tune with my soul because I'm trying to replicate—I don't know—Jennifer Anderson's soul or Tom Cruise's soul. I'm so not in like line in, aligned with my true soul. So yeah, embrace the weirdness and everyone's weird. There's,
1: the, there's an anecdote I want to share. Like you have no idea how much you can inspire someone just by being yourself. There's a gym I go to here, and I remember when I first started coming, it was like really shocking to me because. I'd just been in Australia for three months where all the men were quiet, no one made noise, like everyone would kept to themselves. Here the guys are like, "Oh!" when they're lifting weights. like it's like <laughs> right? Like no one gives a shit here. And I remember like the first day I came in, I was like, oh, people don't give a shit here. That's so freeing. There was this one guy, and I fucking vibed him hard. I was like, that's so cool that you're just like, at first, I was like, that's kind of weird. Then I was like, no, it's awesome. And then this chick walked in, we ended up being best friends, but she was making noises. And I was like, that's so cool that everyone has permission to just do whatever <laughs> they want. So then I started doing my movement practice, and I used to be really like even six months ago, I couldn't do my movement practice in, in public. Cause I'd be like, I look freaky. My eyes roll in the back of my head. When I'm channeling, I do hand movements. Like it's also very sexual. Sometimes the way I dance, it's sensual movement. So it's like, that's a lot for someone to just like walk in on me, like full on twerking and whatever, like in a gym, like, it's like, I'm not going to do that in a gym. I'll do it at home in the privacy of my home. Anyway. So this one day I was like, fuck it. Like it's a free for all here. I don't give a shit. And to be fair, it had been like months of me in Bali being like, I'm going to do my Qigong in public. I'm going to do these wee little weird things in public and stop caring. Anyway, I was doing my movement practice. I was fully in it. I was letting myself dance. I was letting myself express. And this girl came up to me in the end and she goes, you have no idea the permission you have just given me. Like, it's so inspiring to watch you dance like that and just not give a shit. And then she started doing it. And then another girl started, you know, and it was just like this flow on effect because I gave myself permission to just be weird. And well, actually this guy making those grunting sounds gave me permission to just be like, oh, you know? So it's like, you don't know how much you're impacting people by just being yourself, by saying the weird, awkward thing that everyone is thinking, but no one is saying. Like, we're just like, oh, please love me. Please love me. We're so afraid. But it's like, actually, people are going to love the weird shit that those that are for you and those that aren't for you. If something that is your authentic truth triggers someone, they're not meant to be in your life anyway. They're doing you a favor by leaving. Like think about like you're just, the biggest protection mechanism you can have to being rejected is being yourself because people are going to naturally exit your life that aren't for you. So they're not going to ultimately reject you down the line once you've gotten involved with them. If you were, you know, like being someone else. I hope that made sense. I think my words got convoluted at the end, but it was like, if you're just being yourself, people will just naturally... Be repelled by you if you're not for them and that's fine because every person that you're not for there's another person out there who it's like so magical like the connections i have with people it's like instant like ah, oh, i get you this is dope we can just be weird together and like laugh and it's so cool right yeah because so- it filters
2: everything out for you so it's like refreshing for you because it's helping you cleanse whatever it is you need to cleanse yeah what you're saying about the gym reminds me of the opposite of i don't know if you've seen the video in Uh, They're in like a waiting room and a beep, a buzzer goes off every 10 seconds or something. And one guy stands up every time the buzzer goes off and then sits back down. And then the buzzer goes off, he stands up and sits back down. And then sooner or later, then the people that are around him one by one start joining in. And then the new people that enter the room are looking around at everyone standing up when the buzzer goes off. And then they stand up. But that's like the opposite effect where everyone's like, I'm doing all this, but I don't know why I'm doing it. And they're confused. They must be running through some some negative emotions there, but then what you flipped it and said, "Fuck it, just be myself and other people can then see it's a safe space to be yourself and then everyone arounds a lot more happy and positive. They're not doing stuff to fit the quota of what what's been put in front of them without them even knowing why.
1: yeah, and the other side to that actually is that no one gives a shit. <laughs> <Yeah. It's> so you're <laughs> like, really, it's what I realized I was like, no one's even fucking looking at me. They don't care. And if they are, Like, good, you enjoy that. Like, you are welcome, right? But it's like something I had to condition in my brain. Everyone is so focused on themselves. Right, exactly. So fucking egocentric that they're not even looking at you in the gym. They don't even care. That's what I kept telling myself to make myself feel better. Then I realized people don't care. If they're looking at me, usually it's because they're, I don't know, they're intrigued. So it's like, it doesn't matter. And why are you putting some other person that you don't even know their opinion of you above your own? Like, who are they? They're some random stranger and you care about what they think more than what you feel about yourself. You know, it's just humans are really funny. It's really funny. I still see myself doing this shit sometimes. And I'm like, why do you fucking care about some random person like on the street that, you know, I just do weird shit in public now all the time because I find it so like liberating and enjoyable. But yeah, I was so fucking focused on what are other people going to think? What are other people going to think about me i want other people to like me and accept me because i couldn't like me and accept me when i started yeah. liking me and accepting me i was like if you're like me that's on you i think i'm yeah. dope well, once you okay. figure
2: out that you can like yourself then you start thinking well i don't actually need to see the benefit of people having to like me either you like me or you don't i like myself so yeah. i'm fine um i've got a question to ask uh, me and aaron recently watched insidious and then we've been talking about astral projection. Um, what is that astral projection and how exactly does it work and where do you go?
1: Yeah, it's been really interesting because actually I've been I take like mystery, I'm <laughs> I don't know how to say this in a way. <laughs> I'm like, how do I even explain this? Um I <laughs> I have experience, like I'm receiving mystery school training all the time in trance states from other beings, from other dimensions, which can get really wacky and fucking crazy. And then I take them teachings and I teach my students or like I show my students through me. I help them to access these states lately. I've been doing a lot of like by locating. So like lo- taking my consciousness and putting it onto different timelines of myself, which is really fucking trippy. Like it's like, whoa, I'm connecting to some version of myself in an alternate timeline in this other space and then sharing frequency, which is how I'm doing grid work. So it's interesting you ask that because that has been a big part of what I've been doing and being initiated in lately. Um, but basically what it is, it's understanding that our consciousness exists without outside of our body can exist with outside of our body so you can project your consciousness out of this body into whatever place that you desire to be so it could be a different dimension like me it could be a different timeline like of my multi-dimensional self so there's this back and there's like infinite other backs that made different choices in different places and different timelines. it gets really timelines still like confuse the shit out of me i've been doing a lot of timeline work but it's still time travel is really intricate but yeah you can basically project your consciousness or your awareness into a different version of yourself or a different place that's how they do like astral project uh sorry remote viewing so you, you hear those psychics who are like enlisted by the cia to do remote viewing into like russia and see shit like it's because they're projecting their consciousness into a different place um but in order to do any of that you need to understand that we're beyond this phys- like the most basic level is like our consciousness can go anywhere because it's all connected right um so yeah, that's what astral traveling to me is. It's like projecting your consciousness somewhere else. Um, other really cool things that you can do is like have wild fucking astral experiences with other people. There was an awareness that I had. Um, this is going into like sexuality, tantric connection, that, that realm of like we're all connected in that way. I started having these wild sex dreams about people that felt so real that I was having that experience. And I was like, it was like lucid. So I was sleeping, but I was also aware of the fact that I was sleeping and I was able to manipulate that dream, like in the ways that I wanted it. And I started realizing some of most of them at the start were like people I'd never known. And I was like, am I actually having these experiences? Is my soul going and fucking people in the astral realm? Like what's going on? My soul is a hoe. Like what is going on? Right. I do a lot of sexual sexuality work as well, guys. So it's like there's deeper layers, layers to unpack about this. I'm not just saying I'm just fucking random strangers <laughs> in realms because um, I see sexuality is very different to most people. But anyway, it started happening with people that I knew. And then I would ask them, hey, like, do you remember what you were dreaming about like last night? And I had a, a few different people be like, yeah, I had a dream about you. And they were too shy to like say what the dream was or they couldn't fully remember. And then we were like comparing notes and being like, holy crap. We were doing that and then it started happening that i would have connections with people like across the world like like a for instance i'm one of my soulmates that i met was in costa rica and i was in bali and we were having these like they were intentional we would connect in the astral and have these intentional experiences of being together physically intimately without being physically present and i was like "Fuck, i can actually have this like you can have this experience intentionally So it's, yeah, it's like a really cool what it opens up for lots of enjoyment and fun, but other things as well. But yeah, it was this really cool example for me of like the dream state is actually more real than we think it is. And the only difference between here and the dream state is how fast things can manifest because in the dream state, there's no time. um, There's no time space kind of limitation like we have in the third D, 3D, like our realm there. It's like something can instantly manifest because there's not density where the things have to like, you know, build or whatever, show up the, the sequence of events for that elephant to show up. It's just like, I think of an elephant and it's there. The playing in those realms is really cool because this is where healing can be really instant. Like that experience I had that I was mentioning yesterday, my dad showed up, his soul was there. I was having this experience with his soul. I was having this experience with the partner I just broke up with. I had my future partner come in and felt him and our little children ran off together, like all these things that are not real or their hallucinations or the projections to me, they were more real than this physical reality. And if you have an experience, that's more real than this physical reality in that astral realm. That's like instant healing. That's like instant trauma healing. That's instant transmutation. That's instant, whatever. So it's really cool when you start playing in those astral realms, but also it's cool to just be like, I'm going to go to Disneyland. Check that out.
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> I, don't know. I, had, I had an experience Well, before I even knew what, well, I would say even before, I even knew what spirituality was, let alone astral projection. I had an experience where I, I must have, looking back at it now, I must have been astral projecting, but not knowing what the fuck was going on. But I just remember being on the street of the house I was currently sleeping in and just wandering around the street. But what I went to sleep and then I woke up, um, and then this is in the morning, do you know when you fall back asleep in the morning? And then you're on that like light sleep, that's when I was just walking around outside. And I just remember, it stuck in my head because I was like, what kind of weird dream is this? It was the most weird thing I've I've ever probably experienced in a dream. But then, I guess a few years later, someone was explaining astral projection to me, and I was like, oh, it must have been that, but I just didn't know I was meant to do anything.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and you can visit like other versions of yourself in simultaneous timelines. Like, I've had many dreams where I've had a dream of myself it's an astral projection really of i've visited another timeline where i'm with someone else or doing something else and it is pretty cool it is pretty cool yeah journeying as a soul
2: shall we uh wrap this one up yeah yeah that was, uh, that was really interesting thanks okay. beck yeah cool thank you so much it was great i mean shout out to brandon for uh connecting us two together but was free together um yeah was uh, amazing and insightful and you've just got a way of telling your stories which is really sort of compelling uh,
1: and relatable yeah this human yeah, I chose but, it for uh, a reason
2: if I was to look <laughs> through your website and the types of things you do I would have thought shit this is a lot of this might go over my head but you did a really good job of uh, breaking it down for some dummies
1: thank you I appreciate <laughs> that yeah awesome is that we're gonna do an outro or you do the outro like on your own sort of Uh
2: we'll just say bye I guess. <laughs>
1: <laughs> bye. <laughs>
0: bye. We'll awesome. see you
1: later. Bye. See you. Thanks guys.